God. Amen. Well, we know who wanted to be at church today. Because here you are, amen. Amen. Having to get out there and the slick, you know, back roads and make your way to the house of the Lord, amen. And I believe through your sacrifice and your effort, God can bless you this morning. But it will require still a little bit effort on our part, amen. We got to call out to the name of the Lord, amen. Two or three are gathered in his name, and that doesn't imply just showing up. That means having his name. And how do we have his name? When, when we praise him, when we glorify him, when we worship him, he'll be there in our midst. Amen. You know, God is omnipresent, which means he is everywhere. He occupies all space in humanity. But just because he occupies that space doesn't mean necessarily you'll feel him in all space. Right? You gotta, you gotta manifest him. So you gotta worship him, and then when things got stirred up, then you can feel the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I feel the Lord in this place. I do. Praise the Lord. But I believe God wants us to have a greater interaction with Him than ever before. So I do thank you for coming out. I hope that you made it safely. Um, there was no incidents on the road. Hopefully you didn't spin out. Amen. You know, or, and I hope that when you go home. It's safe as well. We always say, we continue to say, I mean, you should know this, we are not a church that uh, cancels service a lot. We don't want to cancel service a lot. And so um, be um, mindful of your surroundings to make sure it is safe for you to get out. But we are so glad that you are here. Uh, the roads will get even better um, today. And so you can come back tonight. It, it'll, be a, it'll be a nice time. Amen. Um, I just want to I want to talk to you this morning and, and kind of I, I've got uh, some scriptures that I want to just kind of go over. Uh, every time we start the new year, you know, we understand that we start with New Year's resolutions, right? I told Bryce yesterday I've not even started on some of my New Year's resolutions yet, not even started. So I can't say that I broke them yet because I haven't even started them yet. See, see how that works? Amen. I'm successful. Amen. But um, some of them, one of the things that I did want to do this year, it wasn't really a resolution, but I wanted to read the Bible uh, through all the way in this year. Now, of course, I've read the Bible through uh, different times in my life, but I wanted to just do it again. And so the way I've done it is I've got an app on my uh, phone. It's also on my iPad. Uh, it's free. It came with it that has an option in it to give me a daily guide of reading the Word. So I read a little bit of the Old Testament, a little bit of the New Testament, a little bit of Psalms and Proverbs every single day. And what I have found as I've been doing that this year, been reading through that, also being a part of these wonderful Bible studies on Wednesday night. I'm in the holiness class uh, with Brother Dan. I've just, the Bible has kind of come alive a little bit to me again. You're like, man, that's good, Pastor. I'm glad that the Bible is alive in your word. Thank you so much for that. But, I mean, the simple fact is, is we hear Scripture so many times that once in a while, sometimes you can kind of read a Scripture and be like, well, I've heard that so many times that it's just no big deal. But you got to reread it, and you got to read it through, through different lens and through a different paradigm and, and, and have the Holy Ghost attached to you. And when you read it, sometimes the Scripture will become brand new to you, even though that you've read it maybe a hundred times before. And so that's what's kind of happened, and, I, and I've, I've got a, some verses here that have kind of 
been re-enlightened in my, my mind. And so I'm going to talk about just these three verses this morning. Let's stand upon our feet. Amen. So that we can read the scriptures. It's in Galatians uh, chapter 6. I'm going to read verse 7 through 9. Galatians 6, verses 7, 8, and 9. Verse 7, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Verse 9. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you for the opportunity to be here today, God. I'd like your word, Lord Jesus, to touch me and change me, change my perception, God. Give me a different way of looking at things, Lord, this morning so I may walk away from this service in a better way to serve you, God, a better spiritual way to be connected to you. I ask this for me and I ask this for everybody in this place. In the precious name of Jesus, everybody said amen? Amen. Grab someone, give them a big hug. Welcome to Michigan. Welcome to Michigan. I say that because sometimes I feel like we get confused when it snows. Welcome to Michigan. You don't live in California. You don't live in Arizona. It will snow in January and February. Hold on. Amen. Learn to enjoy it. Do like me and Brother Jim does. We just do, we get out there on the high, we just do flips and, and car, you know, we just, we just get our cars and do just some, uh, we just do some good stuff. After everybody leaves today, I'll be in the parking lot, and I will take the all-wheel drive off of my car, and I'm going to have a great time. No matter what situation you find, just have a little fun with the situation. Amen. I want to read over these three scriptures. They're really so much meat here, so many things here. Uh, this will be uh, hopefully a little, bit, a little bit of a Bible study for you. I'll try to, I hope that the Word of God is exciting to you, and I will try to make it as exciting as possible to you, and so I will change my, uh, my vocals enough to so the point where hopefully you do not fall asleep this morning. But these three verses are absolutely amazing to me. There is so much wisdom in these verses. I love the scripture in the Bible that says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, which tells me that every single scripture in the word of God is for me. And it is inspired. It's not necessarily written by God. It's inspired by God. I know Sister Cooper is going over how to how to study the Word of God. And so what you need to understand is it's not that God takes over that person's body and writes the Scripture down, but He inspires it. So it is through the perception of that writer. Amen? And that's why you get a different taste and a different flavor. But I love these. In verse 7 it reads, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. Don't be fooled. Don't be tricked or cheated into thinking something that is not. Don't allow the world to trick you into thinking something that is not true because your God cannot be deceived and He will not be mocked. The world would love to take something that is true like the Bible. And if you have 
If you have your, your finger on the pulse of anything that's happening in the world today, the world is trying to make sure that this word of God, they're trying to mess it up and they're trying to pervert it and they're trying to take things out and they're trying to lighten some things because the devil does not want this truth to get to you wholeheartedly. That's why I'm going to tell you, I, I, this might sound weird to you, but it's true. The, the worst thing that can happen to you as far as uh, not getting the truth, is going to a church that does not preach the whole truth. See, you think Satan uses evil people. Sometimes he uses good intentional people that, 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 that they call themselves a preacher, but they don't want to preach about the blood, and they don't want to preach about sacrifice, and they don't want to preach about repentance. They want to preach about just the fun stuff and the worship stuff. And don't worry, you can look like the world and talk like the world and, and, and partake of the world, and you can still be saved. That's not what the Bible says. Don't be mocked here this morning, nor deceived into just getting and just swallowing everything that the world preaches to you. That's why I can tell you the bishop preached it, Robert McKinnis preached it, and I'll preach it. You better be careful who you put your ministry under. You better be careful who you allow to speak to you. Not every church with a cross on the outside of the building is a good church. You better be careful. Some people are like, hey, I want to go to this place in this, this uh, area, and I want to visit a church. I make sure that I do my research to find out a truth-believing, apostolic-grounded church, because not just any church will do. Hello? Are you listening to me? Not just any church will do. And guess what? Congratulations. You came to a truth-believing church this morning. We don't take anything out of this word, and we don't add anything to this word. Hallelujah. The world would love to take something that is true and turn it into something that is false. And that is really what the world is trying to do. It's trying to take truth and make truth false. And they're trying to make false or evil true. That's why evil is celebrated in the world. You need to be very, very careful out there because evil is celebrated. Politicians will celebrate it. Now, we're in election year. God bless us. God help us. God help us. Amen. Because our times are troubling and the political scheme looks crazy. And I can tell you this right now, those politicians that want to put more money in your pocket and they want to they want to have you get all these freedoms and they want to take care of all this stuff. And I'm not talking about a certain party. I'm talking about all parties. I'm going to tell you they might fish you something. They might give you something. But at the same time, they're trying to give you a little bit of raise. They want to take truth right from you. They want to take everything right from you. I'm going to tell you, we live in weary days. We need to be very careful. We need to be prayerful and we need to be we need to be Christians. Not political strategic people. Boy, when you talk about politics, you better, you better talk with the Holy Ghost. Amen? But see, that's what the enemy does. That's what he has always done. He tries to take truth and he tries to twist it. In heaven, where there was nothing but perfection, there was nothing but worship to God Almighty. Lucifer fooled someone for the first time. He fooled himself. He fooled himself into thinking that he was as good as God. Isaiah 14, 12 through 14 reads, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? 
For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven, and I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend upon the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. That's what Lucifer did. When there wasn't even a devil, Lucifer thought he could be just as good because he twisted, he twisted truth. Someone who is that audacious and pompous and proud and arrogant should not be followed or listened to. But that snake is the one who deceives us, and he tries to get us to deceive ourselves. I will not be a pawn in his terrible game. I refuse to be tricked into seeing a darkness that is not there. I refuse to be tricked into believing the worst when God promised me the best. See, what the devil wants us to believe, especially you here this morning, because, see, you you made an effort to get here to church, even though probably the majority of us, when we were in our beds this morning, we were, we were and our alarm was just about to go off, we thought, I wonder if pastor's going to cancel church this morning so I could sleep a little bit more. But regardless of that, that that carnality spirit you still got up and you came to church through the storm and through the ice and you're here this morning and I'm going to tell you what what the devil wants you to do is he wants you to think man this is just not working for me this is just not this is everything is bad and everything is sad and and look at all the people that aren't here this morning and look at look at all the bad stuff and there's just no hope in me see that's That's what the devil wants you to believe. But God wants you to believe. That's why I know we say this scripture every every time we uh, have a low-membered service. We say this scripture where two or three are gathered. It's a way for preachers to to feel good about themselves when half the congregation is gone. Well, where two or three are gathered, we're going to have church. But the fact of the matter is, is that is Scripture. What God is trying to tell us through the inspired Word of God is, hey, we don't have to have everybody, but if we've just got a few, we can shake the foundations of our world. Healing can still happen this morning, even though some people aren't here. Miracles can still happen. I know some of you don't believe it because you're still waking up, but Miracles can still happen this morning, even on a cold, icy winter January Michigan day. And I refuse for the devil to trick me into thinking that this can't be the greatest service we've ever had. Be not deceived. God's not mocked. We shouldn't be deceived, but I can tell you for sure God is not tricked. You can't pull the wool over God's eyes. He sees all, knows all. There's nothing outside of his knowledge. Don't be fooled. God will not be laughed at. God will not be ridiculed. To be mocked means to be challenged or defied. You don't challenge God. I want to talk to you this morning, and I'm going to hit a lot of different things this morning. I will be on time. I will not hold you over. But I'm going to hit a lot of points this morning because there's so much in the Scripture. But don't you dare ever get to the point where you're arrogant enough and pompous enough to challenge God Almighty. You can be curious. You can be conflicted. You can literally not be happy about the way things have happened, but don't get to the point where you roll up your fist at God and shake it to him and say, how dare you let me go through this sickness? You better be careful because when you challenge God, guess what? I've got the statistics. You lose. You lose. 
Don't ever scowl your face and challenge God. He is almighty. He has all might, almighty, without end and full of power. Another definition to be mocked is to be deceived. So let's read the first part of that scripture. Be not deceived because God is not deceived. See, this is why God has given us the wonderful thing of the scriptures. So you think it's just an archaic kind of thing, you know, leather bound or whatever it might be, just an archaic thing, you know, and in all of the movies and all of the TV shows and all of the popular people and all of the politicians, everybody wants to say, well, the Bible is just an archaic, you know, scripture that's being written and we don't have to pay attention to it. No, God gave this to you. This is an anchor. This keeps you from just floating everywhere. You have to have this. That's why I want to read this scripture this year. That's why as the pastor, I'm not saying, hey, let's just don't worry about it. I want to read the scripture. So I am rereading things. And I'm, I don't know, I'm like, I can't even remember how far in Genesis I am. And already, I'm like, man, this blew my mind. I didn't know that was in there. I forgot it was in there. It's amazing. You've got to have this. You've got to have this. God knows your beginning and your end. He knows what you thought this morning and what you're thinking right now. God knows how much you love him. He knows how much you have a desire to live for him. Or he knows how much you have a lack of desire to live for him. See, you can't fool God. You can fool your parents. You can fool your husband. You can fool your wife. You can fool me. You can try to fool me. <laughs> I always think, let me just talk to you for a minute. I always think, I have to tell you, and this is me patting myself on the back. I can't do it right now because I have a bad back. But, I mean, this is me patting myself on the back. I am not so easily fooled. I, 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 I am very rarely surprised. People will, people will go crazy and backslide or people will do something. And they're like, man, surely you didn't see that coming. I saw it coming from a mile away. Why? You started missing church a little bit. You didn't worship like you used to. Your dress got a little edgy. Might not have been all the way crazy, but it got a little edgy. Started doing things that you know you shouldn't do. Come on, there, there are things that we can pick up on. I am not very, I am not very fooled. I would think that none of us are very fooled if we're paying attention. So, so God cannot be fooled. If you can't pull the wool over my eyes, there's no way you're pulling the wool over. But you might try. You might try to pull the wool over my eyes. You might try. I mean, you might be still doing what you're doing, but living in sin. But I can tell you, God knows everything that you do and everything that you think. No matter what you look like, no matter how much time you spend in church, no matter how much money you put in the offering, God sees your heart. He's not fooled. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. God is not deceived. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And I guess I need to say it to be politically correct in modern times. But when it says man here, it's not just talking about gender. Whatsoever mankind, whatsoever man, whatsoever woman, whatsoever child, whatsoever bishop, whatsoever pastor, whatsoever person, if you've got breath in your body, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. What a man plants, that's what he's going to harvest. If a man plants evil, evil is what he gets. 
The scripture is saying, don't be fooled. Don't be mocked because God's not deceived that when you leave an evil life and at the end of your life, all you're left with is evil. God is saying, don't be so deceived to think that if you play by the enemy's rules and you, and you walk that line and you, you want to be in church, but you don't want to get rid of some of that worldly stuff that you like. Don't be fooled into thinking that you're going to get anything else but destruction. If a farmer plants corn, he expects corn. If he's got an apple tree, he expects apple trees. Whatever it is that you plant, you're going to get back. If constantly you're planting evilness and laziness and lethargicness and you have nothing to do with the word, then don't expect to be the greatest Christian on planet earth. Guy is saying, don't be so deceived in thinking that if you play by what the rules of the enemy and by what he allows you to dance with, don't believe that you're going to get anything but what you've planted. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. You know, the reason why I'm preaching about this, and I know you're thinking, man, I've heard this so many times, but why isn't it that we don't understand it? If you live bad and you live evil and you live evil and you live evil, guess what? You're going to get evil. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. This scripture can be broken down in a very easy manner. If you walk in the flesh, you will find corruption, which leads to destruction. If you walk in the Spirit, you will find grace and mercy. And you will have life everlasting. See, to me, it's easy to understand. But I sometimes almost kind of chuckle at myself and laugh. And it's not really a laugh because it's funny. But I sometimes laugh when I realize that people actually believe that they can change the way God orchestrated the world that he created. I mean, you cannot add one stature to yourself. You cannot add... I, I know that there is medical ways to do this, but you cannot really truly add hair. You can't tr add inches to yourself. You can't, you can't add different things to you. You are who you are. You're genetically the way you're supposed to be, and I don't care what the world says. If you're born a male, you're a male till you die. If you're born a female, you're a female till you die. You can't change the way things are. We think that we understand that, but in, in our lives, the way we walk, we feel like we can walk evil. But somehow, spiritualness will bound from us. That's okay. I'll, I won't be faithful to church. I won't read the word. I, I'll, I'll watch whatever I want to watch. I won't pray. I'll, and, and, and then when the kid gets sick, and you go to pray to God for healing, you hear nothing. Or worse than this, parents, because I'm talking to the adult class. You live evil, you leave evil, but you expect your children to live spiritual. Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Reason why your kids probably halfway are backslid is because you showed them the direction to go. I know, I'm not blaming you. I'm not throwing things at you, but let's be honest with ourselves in some ways. When we plant corruption and we plant jealousy, and when we plant 
gossip. I know I'm meddling this morning. It's okay. I'm allowed to. When we plant all the things of the world, when we say it's okay to be in the world, don't worry about what the pastor says over here, but let's just do this over here. When you plant that to your children, don't expect them to just automatically be like, no, I want to worship God. I want to go to church. I want to live for, that's not how it works. You pray, read your Bible, live a holy life. I'm going to tell you, if you do those three things, you will become more spiritual. Simple formula. If you don't pray, never read your Bible, barely ever come to church, don't live a holy life, you will become less spiritual. More spiritual. Less spiritual. And that's something you can change if you want to. But you can't change the formula. reason why... I'm preaching this is because I think sometimes this world has got us so messed up. And I, we see people just doing evil and just doing evil and doing wrong and not doing what they should do. And sometimes, let me just say this, sometimes we do things that we, we do not categorize as actual sin. And we'll say to ourselves, well, I never heard a pastor ever say that behind a pulpit, so it must be okay to do. Come on. When you got the Holy Ghost and also you got the Word of God, you have an idea about what is right and what is wrong. The fact of the matter is, is God put inside your brain the little thing. We sometimes call it a conscience. It's not that. It's that we have the knowledge of good and evil. We know what's right. You know what you're doing is wrong. Don't deceive yourself. Because when you deceive yourself, that's an old trick that Lucifer did. You don't want to have anything that he did. But you see, God's not mocked. God's not deceived. God knows what it's all about. We need to be honest with ourselves. The Holy Ghost prompts you to make spiritual decisions that will benefit you. You can't ignore God and become spiritual. You can't get closer to God and not become more spiritual. If you get closer to God, guess what? You're going to become more spiritual. The more you read of the Word of God, the more you're going to want to read of the Word of God. The less you read of the Word of God, the more you're going to not want to. Are you getting what I'm saying here? That's why some of you haven't read the Word of God in months, if not years, on your own. When's the last time you were at home and you picked up the Word of God just to read it? Seriously. And the reason why... You don't have that desire is because it's not a habit that you have formed. New Year's resolutions in January, what, we, what resolutions are is trying to have good habits. And to have good habits, the first thing you have to try to do is try to break a bad habit. And that is hard to do. In fact, there is money, there's much study about this, but they will say that it usually takes about 90 days to form a good habit. To form a good habit, it takes about three months. And by February 1st, you're off your prayer habit. You're off your reading the God habit. You've already missed 50% of, uh, of church services. What do you think is going to happen? What do you think is going to happen? Godly things. If you plant godly things, you'll get godly things. You plant fleshly things, you're going to get fleshly things. When presented with the choice, the Holy Ghost will tell you what to do. It will prompt you for the right thing, and your flesh will tell you what to do also. 
it depends on who you're listening to. See, I always talk about it, there's a conflict in everybody's mind. And I mean, I know that we've all, we've seen it, even cartoons and everything, the little angel on this side and the little devil on this side talking to each other. Well, do this. Now, don't do that. And, you know, in the movies, most of the time, the devil wins. But the simple fact of the matter is, is it's your Holy Ghost. It's your spirit on one side trying to prompt you to do right. But it's your carnality on the other side prompting you to don't worry about that. That's just a tiny little rule that the pastor talked about. It's no big deal if you just kind of go this way and go that way. Until you find yourself so far away from God. Hallelujah. If you ignore God, you choose sin. If you choose flesh, you choose destruction. If you choose to ignore your flesh, you choose God. You choose life. You choose a successful spiritual walk. It's all based upon the choices you make, not one choice. I, I, I got the Holy Ghost when I was nine years old, and, and I got baptized when I was nine years old. That's not the choice I'm talking about. That's a good beginning. That's a good start. I'm talking about the choice I had this morning. I'm talking about the choice I had an hour after I got up. I'm talking about the choice I had 10 minutes before service. I'm talking about the choice I'm going to have 10 minutes after service. There are thousands upon thousands of choices you make every day to either embrace God or to push it away. And I, I know you're like, man, this is so difficult. I'm sorry, this is life. This is life. If we want all that God has in store for us, we got to put a little effort in. we got to put a little bit of effort in. It's all based upon the choices you make. It's not about your parents' choices. It's not about pastors' choices. I, I can try to tell you which way to go, but, but you, you, I'm not going to be there every day, every hour. Bishop can't be there every hour and every day to make sure that you're doing the right choices. It's not, and it's not even about the city of Flint or the state of Michigan or the government or United States or the world. It's not about what they choose to do. It's your choice, good or evil. I don't care who votes for it. If it's bad, I'm not for it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm not even going to get on that because that's going to go down a road. But I don't care what the Supreme Court said is okay. To me, it's still not okay. Why? Because the Word of God said it's not okay. Verse 9. I love this verse so much. Let us not be weary. Be be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. If you reap flesh, you're going to get flesh. If you reap spirit, you're going to get spirit. And in verse 9, it ties it up with a pretty bow and says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't allow your good decisions to bore you. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, I'm 43 years old. I've been in church my entire life. There are some songs I wish we would put in a vault and never open them up again. There are times we move around furniture not because of any reason, but I just want to look at something new. There are times that I will stand somewhere else new just because I want a new view. Why? Because we as humans get bored. And when we get bored, most of the time, it, it usually has us have absolutely terrible decisions. My wife is in Tennessee, and I still have her hair all over me. 
precious woman. She is with me even now. <laughs> that got me way off. Amen. I miss my wife. Amen. Hallelujah. We get bored in just doing things. And usually when you get bored, you usually try to do something and change something. And sometimes if that is not viewed by the spiritual man, you will find yourself doing something you shouldn't do. Why did you go out and do that sin? Because I was just bored. It's, it's, it's more so now in the last 10 years than it was before. People are just bored. They will leave church. Why? Not because they don't. They, they know that it's right for them. They're just bored. But the scripture warns us against that. You might be bored here this morning. Because you came in here to the same place, you're sitting in the same spot, looking at the same people, hearing the same songs with the same temperature, looking at the same pastor, and to you right now, he's just saying the same old thing, and you're already thinking about where you're going to go for lunch. You're bored, but if you're not careful, you'll bore yourself right into hell. Because you'll get weary. It says don't get weary about doing the right things. Although the devil wants you to think that you're missing something. If you don't participate in carnality, the enemy wants you to think that doing good is not doing you any good. And so you'll get weary. See, it's amazing to me that we serve a mighty God. We have that wonderful, fiery Holy Ghost inside us. Been baptized in Jesus' name, knowing that I have grace and mercy, knowing that every problem I have, I might not have the answer, but I know where to go for the answer. Having all these wonderful things at my fingertips, mercy and grace and healings and miracle and forgiveness, but I can still just get weary about it. And then the enemy comes in and says, hey, it's no big deal. Just go out and do this little thing. Go out and look at this one thing. Go out and participate in this one. Don't worry about it. Just skip church. I mean, we have church every Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night, so if you just skip one service, it's no big deal, right? 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 I mean, if you just skip once, it's no big deal. We have two services on Sunday, so I just won't come to Sunday morning. I'll just come to Sunday night. Right? But what you don't understand is that develops habits. And it also, unfortunately, I'm sorry to say, it is, a, it, it is a determination of your desire factor. Hallelujah. Ooh, it's quiet in here. I just heard a pen drop on the carpet. I like that. The enemy wants you to think that this thing just ain't working. Don't believe that lie because remember, Satan is the father of lies. Doing good is the only thing doing you any good. But sometimes we get weary, and so we change something in our lives, and most of the time it's for our worst. But we have a promise. I love this scripture. I think about this scripture all the time. I recite this scripture. I mean, I'm telling you, I recite this scripture, if not seven, eight 
times a week to myself, don't be weary. Don't be weary, Tim. Don't be weary because in due season you're going to reap if you faint not. Don't be weary. Don't be bored. Maybe you're a little bit bored. Move the piano over there. Change this. Put some more decorations. Sit somewhere else. Don't be weary, Tim, because in due season you're going to reap. You're going to gain if you don't quit. The problem is, is that we get weary and well-doing because it says, the Bible says in due season, and I have to tell you, that's God's due season. That's not your due season. You can't, you can't, uh, you can't put in your schedule when you want God to move in your life. Well, God, I want you to move Tuesday for me. That's not how God does it. He moves when he wants to move and why he wants to move. And we're not supposed to challenge why he does what he does. Maybe not always when we want it, but always, the scripture says, always in due season. We're going to reap, gain. We're going to get. We're going to harvest. We're going to be blessed. But only if. If. If we faint not. Only if we don't quit praying. Only if we don't quit worshiping. Only if we don't quit obeying the word of God. Only if we don't keep coming to church. Only if we don't quit paying our tithes. Only if we don't stop living holy. Only if we don't quit. Only if we don't turn away from spiritual things. Only then can we gain if we stick to it. My problem is people are living for the world as hard as they can, but expecting spiritual results. I, and, I, and I got a word. I'm not trying to be mean this morning or prophetic or anything like this, but I got a word. Maybe it could just be for one person. But the reason why you're walking through evil times is because that's exactly what you planted. Ignoring the word of God. Ignoring the pastor. Ignoring the Holy Ghost inside you. Now, I'm going to tell you this right now. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you got to get the Holy Ghost. Because if you don't get the Holy Ghost, your flesh is doing the majority of the talking. I mean, the only way you're truly hearing the Spirit is if you're hearing it through a man of God or someone that's got the Holy Ghost speaking it to you. Because until you get the Holy Ghost, God, God resides inside you like I talked about before. He is omnipresent, but he has not manifested himself inside you. So you do not have God speaking forth the spiritual things in your life. You've got to get the Holy Ghost to do that. If, you're, if you do not have the Holy Ghost, let me try to put this in plain. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're in a car with no steering wheel. You have no control over what's going to happen, what your body is going to do. Why? Because the flesh is always stronger than someone without any, that, that doesn't have the Holy Ghost. Ten out of ten times. I know that's kind of rough, but that's just the way it works. If we stick to it, if we stick to it, God's going to make a way. This causes a problem, though, a conflict within ourselves. I'm almost done. Because... Our natural inclination as humans is we don't want to follow this formula. It's not natural to our carnality to follow this spiritual formula outlined in Galatians. Your body will never and your flesh will never get to a point where it says, that makes sense. I think I'm just going to do that. No, your, your, your body will never your, your carnality will never tell you to follow after spiritual things. 
it will always go for whatever the body wants. But if you listen to the Spirit, the Spirit will guide you in this rule. And it will say, all I got to do is hold on and keep doing what I'm doing. Don't get weary in my well-doing. Don't get bored in doing right. Because I know if I keep doing right, that in due season, God is going to show up and show out in my life. That's what the scripture is talking about. All I got to do is have patience. All I got to do is wait. But while you wait, you can't quit. The reason why some people never get their miracle or their blessing is because on the journey, on the road of getting there and waiting, they lose out with God. Why? Because they get bored in their well-doing. See, we want to do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. That's what the flesh is. I want the, I want the music to come. The flesh will tell you, quit whenever you want. Give up whenever you want. Be in church in the summer, live in the world in the winter. Or most of the time, it's be in church in the winter and be out in the world in the summer. Because in the summer, we can be outside at the beaches. Beaches in Michigan. You're kidding me. It's amazing. Just do whatever we want to do whenever we want to do it. And just whatever feels good at the time. If it feels good, it must be right. You know, don't follow after your flesh. Don't follow after what. If it feels good to your flesh, it's probably wrong. I know. I sound, do I sound like an old-fashioned preacher preaching against everything? That's okay for the next five minutes. If your flesh wants it, it's probably not good for you. That's why we eat pop, chocolate, and fattening stuff, and we stay away from vegetables. Because we most of the time don't yearn for vegetables. Very few people, I know some of you crazy people out there, God bless you, but very few people wake up in the morning and say, man, I can't wait to get my hands on a broccoli today. Woo, I want a, just a big lump of celery. No, you don't want that. You want pancakes and French toast and cheeseburgers. Is that good for you? Not really. But we ignore it, and we just go on through, amen? But if you, you apply that with everything that you do, you're going to find yourself really sick, spiritually sick, if you listen to the flesh. We follow, we, our spiritual, our natural bodies will follow any suddenly formed religious fancy out there, whatever it is, even if it's not biblically sure, whatever. It's just they got a wonderful choir over there, so I'll go over there, even if they don't preach the Word of God. And after we spit on the holiness required by the Word of God, and after we turn away from our Creator, and after we choose carnality, and after we choose evil, and after we walk in the flesh, we then want gain. We then want, after we have chosen to live for the world, and reject righteousness, we then want to reap good things. This is a promise, and this is how it should be read. If we continue in good things, we shall reap good things in due season. Also, the scripture can be read like this. If we continue in evil things, we shall reap evil things in due season. If you continue in good things, just be patient. 
wait until good things are given to you by your Father. If you continue in evil things, deceiving yourself, deceiving yourself that you're doing good because you're not all the way out in the world. I'm not all the way out in the world. Preacher, don't preach to me. Don't deceive yourself. God is not deceived. Don't you be deceived. And you know the whole time that you're following after your carnality, following evil, if you continue to walk in the flesh, maybe not tomorrow, maybe not next week, but in due season, you're going to reap all the evil you have planted. That's why I have to have mercy from God. See, if I didn't have the Holy Ghost and I didn't have God's grace and mercy, I would be condemned. Why? Because in my past, I have planted evil. And the only way that I can escape reaping the evil that I have planted is not by my good works, but it's God's grace and mercy. Your only hope this morning is to fall upon the righteous judge of God. Your only hope this morning is to fall upon God's grace and mercy and say, God, I deserve condemnation. But you can give me a reprieve. You can give me, Lord God, what I do not deserve. And you can also keep from me something that I do deserve. That's the only way to break this formula up is to turn around and give it to God. Now, there are times that we do that that we still have to live under the consequences of our past actions. Just because you come for God doesn't mean that he is going to just wipe away all the consequences. Every once in a while, there are consequences to the old life. But I believe in God's recovering. I believe in God's healing and miraculous work. He can really alter that a lot. I believe he can recover all. That's why I have to constantly, consistently, every single day, go to God with humility and repent of my evil ways so that I can turn away from carnality. Let's all stand. There is a scripture. There is a scripture that comforts me. Because I know how big of a mess I am. I know that I am not deserving of God's grace and mercy. I'm not deserving to stand up here. I'm not deserving to have God wash. I'm just not. I know who I am. I know my carnality. But there is a scripture that just gives me so much hope. It's in Romans chapter 7, verse 19. Paul wrote these words. For the good that I would, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. I know you're like, I'm going to have to hear that again. That which I know to do, I do not. That which I know not to do, that I do. A couple of verses later, he says, oh, wretched man that I am. And I think to myself, if Paul, who, read, who wrote the majority of the scriptures, one of the greatest missionaries to ever live, one of the greatest apostles, one of the most powerful preachers, if he struggled, and if he had conflict like that, then I can have the conflict as well. You ever think to yourself, man, I know better. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I choose the wrong when I know right? And why are there some times that I know exactly what to do, and I don't do it? 
because there's a conflict. There's a struggle. The struggle is tough, but the struggle is worth it. Because just to give, up, just to give it up, just to say whatever, whatever, whatever my flesh wants will lead to fleshly results. The wages of sin. The wages of sin is not discomfort. The wages of sin is not just I don't get the good place in heaven. The wages of sin is death, spiritual death. And spiritual death is having a residence with Satan. I challenge you this morning, as you came here, you made an effort to come here to change whatever you're doing. If you're going right, if you're doing well, keep doing it. Ask God to keep moving. And if there's anything, this is how I pray all the time. God, if there's anything that I am not aware of, that you are aware of because you know all, inside of me, change it. Convict me. Do whatever you got to do to get me on the right road. Maybe there's a habit I formed or there's something I've done or something I'm doing that, that, I, that you know is going to lead me. Get rid of that. Take anything away that you need to take away, Lord God. Put anything that you need to put in me, oh Lord, because I want to be right with you. I want to get heaven as my goal. I, I don't want to have to go to the left or to the right. So maybe that's you. Maybe you just need to pray, Lord, I think I'm doing everything I should do. But God, if there's anything else. But there are some people here. Come on now. Be, be true to yourself. You know you're not living the way you should be living. You know there's some things. You're not, maybe you're not telling me. Maybe you're one of those, God bless you, that's not putting it on Facebook. And maybe you're not going to tell, tell your husband or your wife. But you know you shouldn't be doing that thing. You shouldn't be watching that thing. You shouldn't be partaking in that thing. You shouldn't be supporting that thing. I'm going to tell you right now, if you plant in evil, all you're going to get is evil. I challenge you to turn around. You know how you do that? Turn around. That's the definition of repentance. Turning around. Lord, I, I, I'm sorry for everything I did. And I, I'm not just sorry because I got caught, Lord. I want to be right. So why don't we have a moment of repentance this morning. I want everybody to come or find a place at your seat. And as they sing this song, I want us to have a wonderful, good time of repentance. Lord, change me. Move me. Take everything away from me that shouldn't be in there, oh, Lord God. Put me on the right path, Lord Jesus. Come on, find a place to pray.